is game one of the series between the Penguins and Capitals. And it's also day one of the NFL Draft. I want to kick off the show with some draft talk and keep it very simple. A, if you're the Cleveland Browns, you take Barkley, the Penn State back. Do you take him with the number one pick overall? Or do you take a quarterback? Now, we pretty much know they're going to take a quarterback. But what would you do and why? B, there are four inside linebackers that are blue chip. If none of them drop down to number 28 when the Steelers pick, what should the Steelers do then? Should they take the, like, fifth best inside backer or take the best athlete available? This is the Mark Madden Show. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX or do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Hockey fans, don't get your knickers in a twist. Call right now if you like. We'll talk hockey. Today is going to be mostly pucks, but those are two intriguing questions as regards the NFL draft. You can't draft for a position, one position, come boom or bust. Look at the Steelers draft in 1999. They needed a receiver. There were two good receivers in the draft, and the Steelers had picked number 13, but Torrey Holt went number 6. David Boston went number 8. Those were the two good receivers. But the Steelers were in a mindset that, hey, we got to draft a receiver. So they took Troy Edwards, a receiver, and he was a bust. Just an absolute bum. So the next year, they drafted Plexico Burris with the eighth pick, and that worked out better. But you can't draft no matter what for a certain position. That will come back to haunt you, and it certainly did when the Steelers drafted Troy Edwards. Both of the mock drafts in the Post-Gazette have the Steelers getting an inside backer. Bouchette says Vander Esch from Boise State, and Finnipaldo says Evans from Alabama. But a lot of mock drafts say those two will be gone by pick number 28. When local guys write a mock draft, like Bouchette and Fittipaldo writing for a Pittsburgh readership, they want to write a happy ending because the Steelers need an inside backer. But maybe that's wishful thinking. The draft starts at 8 p.m. By the time the Steelers pick at number 28, it's going to be after 11, right? After 10 for sure. And you just see the same scene replicate over and over. You announce the name. He gets the jersey. He gets the hat. He shakes hands. He takes a picture. Does an interview. Rinse and repeat. It's interesting when, like, trades get made. Like when the Steelers have traded up in the past, which they might do tonight. Will they trade down? Well... The Steelers have never traded out of the first round, but that doesn't mean they won't. By the way, Baker Mayfield, the Oklahoma quarterback, is now the favorite in Vegas to be the first pick overall by Cleveland. I would pick Barkley first, for sure. But if I was determined to pick a quarterback, I'd take Darnold. I definitely wouldn't take the 6-1 quarterback with a sketchy rep. Okay, let's get the hockey talk going. Oh, oh wait, first. 
According to the Pirates, almost 9,000 people were at PNC Park yesterday. Or maybe that's tickets sold. It would have to be because it looked like there were maybe 1,000 people, tops, actually there. But the Pirates are on pace to draw a little over a million people. And that would be a drop of over a million people since 2015, which would be cataclysmic. I'm curious to see how Nutting would handle that and who he would blame. He'd probably blame the negative media, like me. Uh, Attendance will pick up when the weather gets better, but it won't pick up that much if the team stinks. And the Pirates have now lost seven of their last nine. Okay, hockey. Pens and caps tonight, and a lot has already been said. Here are the things I'm curious about. Will Sullivan match up Latang against Ovi? How will the Penguins defend Ovi on the power play? Will the new lines work without Gino and Haglin? And if they don't, how long will it be before Sullivan makes adjustments? How will Matt Murray play? Obviously. Who's going to step up and get on the score sheet in the absence of Gino? Will it be a group effort or will one individual rise up? 412-333. 9939 is the number to call. I'm going to go with the group effort on the score sheet thing. But I expect Latang to have a great series. I expect him to be the second best player on the Penguins behind only Sidney Crosby. I expect the Broussard line to score some goals. You know, with Gino, if he were playing, you could kind of figure that, okay, Sid and Ovi cancel each other out. And then you win because you have Geno. Well, for one game anyway, the Penguins don't have Geno, so we'll see what happens. By the way, Geno did skate with the Penguins this morning, so maybe he plays game two on Sunday. I think we can be cautiously optimistic. I'm just glad Rod Kogudas isn't on the Penguins. He'd have finished Geno off this morning during the skate. Uh, Talking of the Flyers, did you see what Claude the Fraud said? Claude Giroux. He blamed the fans in Philadelphia, the fans, for the Flyers going 0-3 against the Penguins at home. It was the fans' fault. Giroux said when the fans boo, the Flyers tried too hard. What a dope. He can't possibly think that's a smart thing to say. Uh, Boston beat Toronto 7-4 in Game 7 last night. You don't see too many Game 7s with a final score of 7-4. But that Toronto defense was just as bad as advertised, if not worse. 412-333-9939. We've got a great show planned for you today. That doesn't mean it'll turn out great in the execution, but we intend to try. At 3.30, we'll talk pens with Josh Yoey from TheAthletic.com. At 4.30, we'll talk NFL Draft and a little Penguins with Tim Benz. And then at 5.30, we have the Hockey Night Show. And I will give my official prediction for the Penguins and Capital Series to kick off the Hockey Night Show at 5.30. So we got a ton going on today. Please do be part of it. Dial 412-333-WXDX. Uh, the city of Pittsburgh is taking down the Stephen Foster statue 
in Shenley Park. The uh, great American composer, Stephen Foster, the statue's coming down because it features an unflattering caricature of a black man. They should replace it with a statue of Ramon Foster, the big ragu. Now, there's a Foster that really counts in Pittsburgh today. Oh, and Bill Cosby is going to jail. I can't believe it. Only 50 women made complaints. And he's a beloved TV star. What kind of America are we living in when Bill Cosby goes to jail? A man like that should never have to do jail time. Jail time. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. This is Carter Rowney of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on your home of the Pens. 105.9 The X. You know what's great about my draft talk? That I really only started it now. The day of the draft. 412-333-9939 is the number. Uh, I, I said earlier in the show, and I tweeted before the show, my pre-show tweet was, show begins in 15 minutes, hockey, NFL draft, Bill Cosby update, Stephen Foster statue update, may be replaced by statue of Ramon Foster, and that would be okay by me. Ramon Foster tweeted back, let me find a capable sculptor. So the ball is rolling. we got to get that Stephen Foster statue replaced by a statue of Ramon Foster. Or maybe Barry Bananas Foster. Or maybe both of them. Yoy Steeler Mania. Uh, turning to hockey. You know a good question? Even with Gino and Haglin out, do the Penguins still have superior depth to the Capitals up front? The Capitals only have four legitimate top six forwards. Ovi, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and Oshie. Tom Wilson plays on the first line, but he's a meathead. And who the frig is Chandler Stevenson, who's on the second line? I will say, Lars Eller has done well at third line center. Uh, 18 goals this year. That friggin' Tom Wilson, he had 14 goals this year. I get the point of him being on Ovi's line. I do. It's not like Ovi's going to pass the puck. But what a meathead. And you just hope he doesn't hurt a key player. For it depends because Tom Wilson definitely wants to. That's what he goes out there intending. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going on Twitter during Penn's games because it's frustrating. If the Penguins allow the first goal tonight, fans will literally be bitching about Murray, wondering a lot if he could beat the Caps because he didn't last year. I hasten to remind everybody he did the year before, but why let facts get in the way? They'll be uh, wishing Flurry was back. And I've come to realize that the Pens fan base on Twitter is just a nutty subculture. And that most of the real fans aren't on Twitter, or maybe minimally. And the people at PPG Paints Arena, the ticket buyers, they are the opposite of the Twitter fans because when's the last time you heard a player on the home team get booed at PPG Paints Arena? I'm curious to see how many Pens fans are at the game tonight in D.C. What the noise level is like when the Penguins score. I can tell you this. If the Pens score the first goal, the Caps fans will go silent. And the Caps were only 1-2 and two at home in the first round. The Penguins are coming back to Pittsburgh between games 1 and 2. They... We're playing game one tonight. Game two is Sunday at 3 o'clock. I figured they'd come home. 
but I guess they're going to stay in D.C. and take in some of the tourist attractions. I heard somebody on another radio show today saying, maybe Phil Kessel will check out the Lincoln Memorial, and he might if they have a poker room. Uh, Pro Football Talk just uh, putting out a report. The Steelers are listing the offers for Martavis Bryant. It would not shock me if Martavis Bryant got traded at the draft tonight. I think they've just had enough of him. And Juju Smith-Schuster means that Martavis Bryant can fade away and classify himself as obsolete. Obsolete. We got Josh Yoey at the bottom of the hour. But right now, let's go to Tony in Nevillewood. Tony, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Ahoy, boy. Very good. What do you want? Uh, hey, so what, who do you think uh, Putin is taking if he had to pick between uh, Malkin, Ovechkin, and Kovalchuk? Well, Kovalchuk's not involved in the mix here, and Gino's well, currently but, hurt. But in general, and then also, who, who do you think is the best looking? I, I have no comment on who's the best looking. Probably Kovalchuk. And he has a kid that, that to a Pittsburgh stripper, did you know that? Who? Kovalchuk. Really? Kovalchuk, yeah. He came to Pittsburgh to train one summer when he was in his rookie or second year, and he knocked up a Pittsburgh stripper. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that, that's why you're not a hoi ploy. There for the grace of God go I. But uh, but uh, I, I think that, uh, well, they're all Putinites, right? Ovi Malkin and Kovalchuk. I'm assuming Kovalchuk is number one on Putin's list because he stayed home and played in the KHL, and he played for Putin's Wait, yeah, Putin's a St. Petersburg Seska fan. And the league was allegedly fixed for them to win. I don't know if they won because, come on, it's Russian hockey. Why would I pay attention to that? Let's go to Ray in Oakland. Ray, you're on with Double M. Uh, Mr. Madden, hey, how you doing? Uh, Hi, Ray. You know, I have a comparison for uh, Barkley, who I think he'll be like in the NFL. But do you think many uh, people are repeating like the talking heads and they say, this once-in-a-generational back, and he was great and everything in college, but uh, one thing that I caught his stats was he only rushed for uh, 100 yards or more in four of his uh, 13 regular season games the last two seasons. Yeah, but, bro, he has all the metrics, the combine stuff, and he passes the eye test, does he not? He, he does. I, I think he's going to end up like uh, he's a really underrated out-of-the-backfield guy catching the ball. I think he's going to be like a, a Reggie Bush type. Where he oh, I think he'll like, be way better than that. I think he runs with a lot more power than Reggie Bush. I think he's the best talent in the draft. I I, I don't know if he's a like, once-in-a-lifetime generational back, but I think he'll lead the NFL in rushing within a year or two. Let's go to our friend, Ah! He is good friend with Mo Salah, Liverpool striker, Egyptian magician. Bob, how are you? Hi, Mark. What's going on? Well, I got two things. Number one, I really don't think Murray is getting proper credit uh, in this town because of so Well, many now people. hold on, Bob. Be patient. He's only won two Stanley Cups. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a lot of Flurry uh, lovers. I mean, look, Flurry is a very good goalie. However, everybody was like, uh, you know, your guest, uh, the Serbian reactionary, uh, you ask him and he'll say, well, uh, he won against the Washington. It was all him. Yeah, game seven. In my opinion, if it was Murray, it wouldn't get to game seven. 
they would have finished it off when they were up. Uh, well, I, I think that series, Bob, would have always gone to Game 7, but I think Murray would have won it too, and I think this series is going to go to Game 7, and Murray will win it. But, uh, yeah, it is funny how people talk about Flurry beating the Caps last year, overlooking that uh, Murray beat the Caps in 2016. That is correct. And then my second thing is, uh, look, uh, I really hate the, to lose those, uh, you know, Haggy and Malkin from game one. But the upside up to that is that uh, the depth, they are going to show up and they are not going to make mistakes. And they are going to do their what they do best, which is opportunistic. And they will be skating and they are not going to be afraid. However, you know that Tim Wilson, uh, Wilson, whoever that is, he's going to try to get uh, Gensel uh, or Sherry, and they need to be ready to score when they get the power play so they 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 uh, stop them. Well, well that's from... right. That's what the Penguins did against the Flyers. They started scoring on the power play, and that neutralized the Flyers' uh, shenanigans. But uh, one, one point you made uh, that, that's well taken, Bob, the Penguins won't be rattled at all by Gino and Hagel not being in there. And how could they be? Look at what they've accomplished. There's been a lot of injuries along the way en route to the last two Stanley Cups. Latang didn't play one game last year, and two years ago they started the playoffs with Jeff Zatkoff in goal. But they found a way, and they're going to find a way in this series as well. 412-333-9939. Up next, from theathletic.com. It's Penguins beat guy Josh Showey here on 105.9. This is Tom Kunagl of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Breaking news. Rob Beertemple of TheAthletic.com reports that Young Ho Gung has got a U.S. work visa and will rejoin the Pirates shortly. To repeat, Young Ho Gung is rejoining the Pirates. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's good for the Pirates. It's bad if you want to drive in Pittsburgh without getting run off the road by drunk drivers. Joining me now, also from TheAthletic.com, live from D.C., it's Penguins beat man Josh Joey. Josh, if Kenny Malkin skated with the team this morning, what whispers are you hearing about Gino and a potential return date? First of all, Mark, it's great to cover a team that doesn't have any criminals. It's a wonderful thing, and I think that's part of why you enjoy hockey as well. But um, I'll tell then you, then again, I, watched, I worked in wrestling. Yeah, that kind of evens out, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I watched Gino this morning. He looked pretty good to me. Um, you know, it's funny when he came back against the Flyers in Game Five. He was clearly not himself that night. He couldn't cut to the right at all. You could see it. Uh, he looked pretty good skating. I would guess he will play on Sunday in Game Two. Um, if I were a betting man, I'm certainly leaning in that direction. I don't think they would have brought him to Washington if there wasn't at least a legitimate chance that he would play in one of these two games. Um, so, And the schedule certainly benefits them having the extra day off. I, I would not be at all surprised if he plays on Sunday. I know the Caps won the division and finished with 105 points, five more than Pittsburgh. But how good are the Caps, really? That doesn't line up without much depth. For example... Only four legit top six forwards, and on D, Brooks Orpik still plays a lot of minutes at age 37. Yeah, on paper, they are not the team they were the past couple of years. Those President's Trophies teams, uh, those teams were stacked. Uh, those were two great hockey teams the Penguins beat in 2016 and 17. They're still a good team, 
But to me, on paper, they are not the team they were. They lost Marcus Johansson last year, Justin Williams. Um, they lost Nate Schmidt, who's had a great year in Las Vegas. Carl Alsner, those are good hockey players they lost. So they're certainly not as deep. Uh, their top two lines are still very good, no question about that. Their power play still scares you. Yes, yeah, so it's a legitimately good team, but I don't view them as a great team. And on paper, the past two years, you could have made the argument that Washington was better than the Penguins, or at least they're equal. Um, if Malkin is healthy, I think on paper the Penguins are the slightly more gifted team right now. So I give Washington credit for what it's done this season. I didn't expect them to win the division, and they did. So I, you know, high marks in all seriousness for what they did. But on paper, they don't really scare you the way they once did. Josh, doesn't part of you think that the Capitals won the division because the Penguins didn't think it was important enough to do? Well, I can tell you for a fact that the Penguins really didn't care about winning the division. So, yeah, I think there's an element of truth there. Anytime you would bring up the standings, um, whether it be on the record, off the record, or whatever, they just kind of shrug their shoulders. Uh, they really don't care about it. I, I mean, in their perfect world, would they win the division and, and start off at home in the series? Sure. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's always meant more to the Capitals than it has the Penguins. And, you know, those who know their Penguins' history know that they've won the Cup five times, and in four of those years they did not win the division. It's just not something that's real relevant to them. So, yeah, I, I do think there's something to that. Where is Braden Holtby at, the Caps goaltender? He had a solid series to beat Columbus, but does that necessarily undo him having had a terrible regular season? No, I don't think so, because I don't think Columbus is a particularly gifted offensive team. You know, Mark, they're the classic team that will just shoot from anywhere and fire 40 shots on net, but, uh, you know, only a couple of them are legitimate scoring opportunities. They're just one of those teams. So, you know, if you have a football team that has a terrible pass defense and it has a good game against Joe Flacco, does that mean that your secondary's problems are solved? Not necessarily. And that's kind of what this feels like to me. I give Holtby credit for what he did against Columbus. Now, it's not easy to be down 2-0 and you know, to win three out of four games on the road and, and to win a series. He played well. But the Penguins are a completely different kind of team. It's very clear to me that they have been in his head for quite some time now. Um, and we've seen this with the Penguins in the Sullivan era, Mark. They destroy great goaltenders. Look at what they've done. It's just in the playoffs alone to Henrik Lundqvist, Sergei Bobrovsky, Pekka Rene, and obviously Braden Holtby. They feast on these guys. So until Holtby goes out and shuts down the Penguins, and I'm not even talking about tonight because they're not going to have Malkin, so if the Penguins lose tonight, frankly, I don't think it's that huge of a deal for them, but until he shuts down the Penguins with Malkin in the lineup, I'm not so sure that he can. How physical will the Capitals be? I mean, they usually are against Pittsburgh, but I feel like they might ratchet that up even a little more. Yeah, I think they will, and I don't know if that's the best thing for them. Um, one thing that is very evident to me, and you can really see it when you watch these teams play in person, the Penguins are so much faster than Washington. It's their single biggest advantage in this matchup. And so Washington knows this, and as a result, they want to pin the Penguins into corners, they want to work down on the boards and be physical with them, and that all makes sense, I get it. But it's just very hard to beat the Penguins that way when a team skates as well as the Penguins do. Uh, going out of your way to be physical against them causes problems, and, and it also often leads to penalties. And that's the last thing you want to do against the Penguins. So that has been the modus operandi for, for the Capitals for years against the Penguins, try to beat them up. And I think we've seen that intensify in the last couple of years with the presence of a guy like T.J. Oshie, who, who's a very good player and also kind of a borderline dirty player who goes over the edge physically at times. 
and that has been a detriment to the Capitals. And I think they need to consider that because if that's the mindset going into the series against the Penguins, I'm telling you, I don't think it's going to work. Will the tag match up against Ovechkin? And what will the Penguins do against Ovechkin on the power play? Uh, I guess that seam pass to Ovi, that's the problem, not what he does once he gets it, right? That's right. And, you know, I don't know how great of a job they did against him last year on the power play. I just think Marc-Andre Fleury was just unbelievable, especially against Ovechkin. Um, he, he robbed him all series long. I think Ovi only had a couple of goals in that series last year. Um, regarding five-on-five play, yeah, the Penguins want Latang out there against Ovechkin. They don't really like the matchup of Schultz against him, even though Schultz has had a great season. You know, Schultz just isn't a real strong guy. He's not real strong on his skates. Ovi can overpower him. I don't really think you want Ruido out there against him a whole lot. It's just, a you know, in terms of talent, the mismatch. So, yeah, Latang is the guy who's going to play against Ovechkin, and, and I can imagine some Penguins fans rolling their eyes at that right now. But actually, Latang plays really well against him. Um, well, I think when Latang faces Ovi, the Tanger simplifies his game, just plays more pure defense, and yeah. I think that's to the benefit of his overall game. Oh, absolutely it is. It's because he respects Ovechkin, and, and also just physically he matches up well against him, Mark. He has that great first step, and you need that against Ovechkin to get in the shooting lanes, to get in his face so he can't get the shot off. And also... Ovechkin is not quite the one-on-one player he was many years ago. He's not going to burn too many defensemen. And Latang is such of a great skater. I, I don't see Ovi burning him all that often. So, uh, listen, Latang's had defensive issues this season, but it, it's mainly been, I think, mental errors and blown assignments. If you just tell Chris, hey, go watch number eight, don't let him do anything, Chris can do that really well. And, and I think he, you know, he's always played well against Ovechkin. Ovi only has ten goals in 24 games against the Penguins with Mike Sullivan as the head coach. And for him, that's a pretty darn good number if you're the Penguins. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Uh, Josh, are Ovi and Sid going to cancel each other out? Because that has happened before. Uh, it's possible. And, and, you know, they're both playing really well right now. I mean, Ovechkin scored 49 goals, and he was the best player for Washington by far against Columbus. He was great in that series, and I don't need to remind anyone of what Sid did against the Flyers. So it is possible, and if that happens, boy, it just highlights Malkin's importance even more, doesn't it? Uh, he's always kind of the X factor when, when Crosby and another team star cancel each other out. If Malkin has a good series and if he's healthy, it probably gives the Penguins the edge. But if he is not able to play or if he's not himself, you know, if that's the case, Crosby really probably needs to outscore Ovechkin. What can the Caps do to stop Sid, or at least contain him? Is he going to draw Backstrom, or will he draw Kuznetsov with the Ovi line? Well, Backstrom has played pretty well against him in the past, so I'm very curious to see what Washington wants to do. Um, and it might be different with Malkin out of the lineup, of course. And I'm also interested to see which defensemen match up against Sid. John Carlson is their number one defenseman, but he doesn't play that well against Sid. Uh, Sid's really had his way with him at times over the years. Matt Niskanen plays much better against Sid. Now, of course, last year Niskanen went a little too far with the old cross-check to the head, but uh, that notwithstanding, he does play Sid really tough. I remember a couple of years ago, Alsner and Niskanen were a pairing. Sid didn't have a goal in that series in 2016. They gave him fits. So I think Washington probably wants to get Niski out there against him as much as possible. We talked about Holtby. What about Matt Murray? He was okay against Philadelphia, but I'm not sure okay cuts it in this series. No, it won't. He needs to be better. 
you know, I thought he was pretty darn good in the first five games. He had two shutouts, and I, I like the form that he showed. Uh, game six, however, boy, not only did he give up five goals, but he was really fighting the puck all afternoon. That's as bad as I've seen him look in quite some time. In particular, that fourth goal that made it 4-2 Philly, that was a really, really bad goal. Not the kind of goal you see him allow very often. Um, goaltending is always important in playoff series. We know that. But when you consider how evenly matched these teams are, I think it's reasonable to assume that whoever wins the Murray-Holpe matchup is probably going to win the series. And, frankly, both guys are a little bit of a mystery right now. Obviously, Holpe is. And Murray, I know he's never lost a playoff series, but he's looked a little vulnerable this season, let's be honest. And even against the Flyers, he wasn't particularly sharp. So, uh, yeah, he's going to... uh, be receiving a lot of attention starting tonight, no question. Who might step up for the Penguins, Josh? Given the circumstances and the opponent, who is likely to do more than he has been in this series? Well, I think it's time for Derek Broussard to show up in a big way. And and Broussard has not played poorly. I think there's a perception that he's been a disappointment since he was acquired in February, and I don't think that's fair. I think he's been perfectly solid, but he also hasn't really erupted offensively the way he's capable of. And he is certainly a guy with a wonderful playoff history. And, and this is one of the reasons they got him, Mark. It wasn't just because he's a good player. And, you know, if Crosby or Malkin were to get hurt, he's the kind of guy you can fill in for a week, fill in for a series, whatever, and he can produce. He can, he can replace one of those guys in the short term. He's not Malkin, but that doesn't mean he can't have a couple of big games. And he needs to, because usually the Penguins have a huge edge at center. But when you remove Malkin... And you consider that the Capitals have Kuznetsov and Backstrom, and Lars Eller is a pretty darn good third center. Um, all of a sudden, it's not a, a great advantage for the Penguins right now, and therefore, I think Broussard becomes that much more important. Who might do the same for the Capitals? Kind of step up. Oh, boy. Well, you know, they have lots of talented players, but I, I look at T.J. Oshie, and he, he's long been a problem for the Penguins. He is a big-game player. He gives the Penguins fits in particular. He scores big goals and big moments. He's always been that guy. So for me, other than Ovechkin, who's obvious, Oshie is the guy that you always have your eye on against them. I feel like the Penguins can run amok against the Capitals' defense. Uh, You mentioned the Penguins' speed advantage. I agree that's the biggest edge Pittsburgh enjoys. But the Penguin forwards against the Caps' D might not be far behind. I just don't like that Capitals' D beyond, of course, Carlson. No, it's a very ordinary group. Um... You know, Niskanen's a solid player. Orlov is a, a talented offensive player. He's not that good in his own zone. And uh, you mentioned Brooks Orpik earlier. You know, I love Brooks, but you know, Brooks is not the player he once was. I think he's 37 now. Well, um, yeah, that, that's was, my point. He's 37, but he's still getting top four minutes. And I think he'd be real good in a limited role, but they can't afford to have him right. in a limited role. No, and the Penguins have badly exposed him the last two uh, postseasons. In fact, it was game one in Washington last year when Nick Benino who isn't exactly Pavel Bure, just blew past Orpik to score the game-winner in the third period. So, yeah, Brooke, this is not a great matchup for Brooks. There's no question about it. And, and like I said, the speed advantage is just so obvious when you see these teams play. And that's why if the Penguins are smart with the puck in the neutral zone, you know, and if they can get Malkin healthy, hopefully for game two, yeah, they're going to score goals in this series. There's not a doubt in my mind. What's your pick, Josh? Who wins and in how many games? Mark, it's going to be a great series. It's really an even matchup, but I will pick Penguins in six. I just think they have a psychological edge over Holpe. As long as they can get a split down here with or without Malkin, 
Uh, I just think they're a little bit better, and I think their roster is better than Washington's, and that's not something I would have said the last two years. Josh, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Joey. Check out his fine work in theathletic.com. Breaking news. We've got to kick this around. Young Ho Gung has been granted a work visa and will rejoin the Pirates. That's certainly a mixed bag, particularly if you look past the baseball aspect of it. And the Steelers are trying to trade Martavis Bryant, according to ProFootballTalk.com. Here's a quickie about the question I threw out there to you at the top of the show. I said, what would you do if you were the Cleveland Browns with the first pick overall? Would you take Saquon Barkley or would you take one of the quarterbacks? And it's rumored to be Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. Well, this opinion should carry some weight. Quote, I would hope Browns pick Saquon Barkley, unquote. Jim Brown, the greatest running back ever, the greatest Cleveland Brown ever, maybe the greatest football pick ever, player ever, pardon me. Uh, I'm not saying I would let Jim Brown tell me what to do, but I would consider that opinion uh, very much, and I would pick Barkley, the Penn State running back. No question, I would pick him first overall. 105.90X. This is Justin Schultz of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. If you're just tuning in, Rob Beertemple of TheAthletic.com reports that Young Ho Gung, after not playing at all with the Pirates in 2017, has obtained a U.S. work visa and will rejoin the Pirates immediately. Uh, First question regarding Gung's return, where does he fit in the lineup? Moran's been hitting the ball really well. He's the second best hitter on the team, in fact, and he plays third base. So can Moran play second base, or can Gung play second base? Because with Josh Harrison out, and Adam Frazier hitting poorly... Maybe that's what you do. But what could be on baseball? Do you want this guy back in Pittsburgh driving around after three DUIs in Korea? Maybe his license will be suspended in the U.S. In fact, I would think so. But if not, the Pirates should get him a chauffeur. Him driving in Pittsburgh, that's bad PR on top of him just returning to the Pirates after three DUIs. And... Don't forget the sexual assault investigation in Chicago, which, to be fair, has come to nothing so far. No, it's the DUI thing that bugs me. Does it bug you? Young Ho Gung set to return to the Pirates. Tell me what you think. 412-333-WXDX. Also, Pro Football Talk is reporting that the Steelers are trying to trade Martavis Bryant, and I would have no problem. Juju Smith-Schuster is better. And the Steelers are just tired of Martavis' act. It's something all the time. Last year he wanted traded. His girlfriend was on social media uh, stirring the pot. Getting rid of that guy, I would have no problem with. That's No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. In just 30 seconds, we're going to talk about who the Steelers' best first-round pick ever was. Actually, we're not. We're going to talk about who their worst first-round pick ever was. 105.9 X.